Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day and welcome to the Farm Guys podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. This is the Harvest Series brought to you by the leaders, innovators of Australian agriculture. From growers, lawyers, accountants, contractors and now even ag tech companies on the show today. I hope you can use techniques and technologies talked about on the show to implement them into your next year's harvest or even take it away as a bit of motivation for you. Tell the crew and your boss to listen in to improve your yield, simplify your operation or even save you time picking or driving the tractor chasing down that header. Now this episode, we head over to the world of ag tech with Doug Fitch from AgWorld, the farm management platform for farmers in Australia and across the globe. If you've gotten something out of this series so far, please help the podcast by sharing it with your mates so that we can grow and reach every other farmer across Australia. That's the plan. I'm a farmer too and doing this on the side, so it'd be a huge help if you could share it across as well. Right it, let's get into it. Doug, beautiful to have you on today. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, the opportunity. Always good to connect with people and, uh, yeah, look forward to having a yeah, talk. Absolutely. Innovative agribusinesses is the core of what I'm tr- trying to push so that farm farms and farmers across Australia can become more efficient and productive with the time they use, if that's scaling out or even optimising what they've got currently. So before we get down to agribusiness and what ag world's all about can you give us a bit of a background of who you are and where you've come from and how it's landed you in your position today yeah look i, I guess uh, without going too far back i i started out as a, an apprentice mechanic actually a long time ago but i've always had a a uh, a passion for farming and yep. um always wanted to and I, I spent a lot of time as a kid up and around muck and booting and uh in the in western australia uh and then uh I uh, ended up sort of marrying into a farming family and and uh, ended up acquiring that family farm and 
and uh, working uh, in retail, uh, you know, doing um, sales agronomy and, and that type of stuff over over time. Yep. So uh, where I haven't been able to farm, I've always worked in the farming community, which is a fantastic community of people to work in and you're working with nature and, and, and growing stuff. And that's just a lot of fun with a lot of variables with a lot of great people. So that's probably me in, in, in short. Yeah, beautiful. It's a bit of a role reverse of you going into the in-laws and then you're both taking over the family farm. Bit of a switch up in what the normal is. Yeah, a little bit different. Uh, they're moving to uh, retirement, uh, I guess, and um, and deciding uh, with decisions by family members not to continue. So, uh, so we uh, so we acquired that, and then I've I leased that to my brother-in-law, and and uh, it still remains in the family and and farming uh, through that. So that works real well for for everybody, actually. Yeah, great stuff. So you've come from mechanic, and now you're head of CEO of AgWorld, can you talk to us a bit about your your role within AgWorld currently and where, how far the company has come since it first started? Yeah, so we look, we started back in two thousand and eight with the idea with myself, Chris Ramsey, and, and Matthew Powell. Uh, Chris was a consultant in cotton and uh, and worked with me in in one of the multinationals, and Matt was a computer scientist. That I knew, and, and and we got together on the back of uh, Chris seeing that there was a need for centralising information in one location for consultants to be able to give the best advice to growers because they provide an integral part service to to the farmer. And and from my side, I just saw the struggle of succession planning in the family farm and and scalability and had sort of just seen that it could be way more efficient than spreadsheets or pen and paper, which is kind of like the, the, the thing that prevents you from scaling. And, and the margins are limited and we have the best farmers in the world, you know, in Australia in a lot of ways from an innovation out of necessity. And, uh, and so we decided to build this centralised system and it kind of grew from there. And, and it was really just working directly with growers and consultants, um, uh, either in retail or private consultants. Um, on what are the issues that need to be solved and then really listening and delivering again uh, solutions that would take people forward into the future. And we've focused very much on, you know, the planning of crop production, the and then understanding how did that actually go, you know, what actually happened, and then actually how do we improve that? And you used the word optimizing before. Yep. I think I think as you scale a farm, you you have to work out and you have to know what is optimal for the season in the season you have. And, and farmers are generally very good at doing that by eye, but there's also an emotion tied to, that's one of my best paddocks. I know what that can do. And, and you kind of like, how do we bring some data around that, that, that makes it a, a sure bet or, or helps de-risk or helps them sleep at night. Um, and uh, takes the stress and worry out of it. And how do you hand over 30 years of experience to, to a guy out of uni that's got two, two, two seasons under his belt uh, to a multi-million dollar asset without any information, you know? Um, so it's a bit of the transition and giving, giving the young guys coming in or young girls coming in that are running farms the, the information they need. Um, and they're, they're pretty you know, astute on information, but 
it, seasons take time and um, you don't have a lot of room for error. So Absolutely. That's, really, that, that's really where we kicked off with Ag World and it's taken us nationally and then internationally to the US and Canada and New Zealand and South Africa. And so it's been a, a good journey to take, to look at those markets, see what they do over there, see what we do here and, and bring some back here and take some over there. Looking at the different markets, do you see from the way they interact with your platform, how they change from country to country, from Canada to US or to Australia? Yeah, yeah look, it's very different here. A simple difference is you know, most farmers here uh, own all their own equipment, do all their own work, uh, right down to you know, fixing machines. Um, in the US, for example, there's a lot of areas where the farmer may do the seeding, but they don't do the spraying, they don't do the, the spreading, and they don't necessarily do the harvest um, because you know there are people that provide all those services. So that's a that's a that's a very different business model. Yep. It's not a right or wrong, but it's a very different business model to what we have here, and that there means that they use our platform differently. Uh, completely um, because they, they're having third parties collaborate on our platform whereas they do that in Australia but nowhere near to that extent yeah okay so it's a little bit different there but for farm planning I've seen like optimizing of our land currently with land prices through the roof I think a mm. lot of farmers if they're not buying they're going to look, have to look to optimize their own farm to become more efficient and productive so for farm planning, why is it so important in today's world for the farmer to get on top of the books, convert it from pen to paper and into more than what a spreadsheet can handle? Uh, I think the, the thing is, uh, you in, in the ag world, we've taken the approach that the, a farmer doesn't grow a crop solely on his own. He has inputs from many different service providers. Um, and that's not, I'm talking financial and insurance. And so all of those people have a bit of information about the business and a bit of expertise. If you can bring that data to one spot and, and make your decisions data-driven by creating a plan, by having the actuals in there, then uh, of what you did and people affirming, for example, that that's done, that addresses a whole lot of new issues that are coming to the market around compliance and natural capital management and, and you know, are you mining your property, you know, your, your soils or are you building them up? And you can't just guess with that, you know, with carbon and all these other things coming and, and measures that are all, you know, the, the grower is the compression point of that. And without data to defend your position, to say, actually, I've improved my soil. Actually, I use this practice and this is how I do it and this is the results I get. We know farmers that care about their, their, their soil and, and their, their asset, uh, but that's not always the perceived view of many that are outside the industry, right? Yeah. So, you know, they often, you know, people think farmers are environmental terrorists. They're not. They actually look after the land. They're great stewards of the land. And, uh, and so planning is the first piece. Executing, being able to plan, then measure, and then improve is how we've built the platform. 
and uh, and that is why the planning is is so important. And you talk about optimizing in the U.S. Farmers would get get subsidies, for example, more, a lot more than what we do here, and they have wider, a, a certainly a greater margin, so they can afford to have errors effectively. Whereas we have such narrow margins here, and we have such harsh conditions. You know, we're not largely not irrigated. We are low rainfall by comparison, and we've yeah. got sandier soils, right? So we've got to deal with the, the data that points to the things that we can control and can influence over a long period, longer period of time. And that's why people should be planning and, and using a, a platform like AgWorld to, to manage that data and actually look at it and interrogate it with the specialists and experts around your business. Yeah, well, the way I see it is if you don't have your data working for you, you can't actually initiate that next step into measuring your carbon and getting paid for it. Have you, yeah. have you seen clients um, as they started to use that data and then they can actually take that, be compliant um, and also take it to the next level of getting paid for their carbon, for carbon credits? Well, look, I think a good example is with canola. You know, as an example, to Europe with the biodiesel production and the you know international sustainability and carbon certification, the ISCC requires canola to meet a certain criteria. And unless you have that data on hand, and 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 you can have it in on pen and paper, but if you can just have it at the push of a button when you're ordered it, and you can show, yep, I complied. Here's Here's the data that's been validated by my agronomist and myself in the production of this. So it's validated data by a community of people that rule it. That carries a lot more weight than sitting there and just handing a piece of paper that you wrote down at the last bit and then signing a stat deck, right? So I think that's a great example of compliance, um, driving, you know, going with product and adding value to product. But in AgWorld, you're doing that in just in your daily process. It's doing it for you. So... I think you know using your data like that is is that's a good the canola is a good example um, really yeah it sort of acts as a live platform running with the data that you've entered into the system for yeah. ag agworld what sort of farmers are using it and who can most get the benefits out of it um, I guess. Uh, I guess it, for agworld, it's it doesn't really matter about crop size and type. Yep, it's probably because um, we support over two hundred different crops. Uh, I think any farmer that wants to measure their risk, because that's one thing you can control, right? Um, we're not always in the position where we can, can we can't control commodity prices, for example. So any that wants to measure their risk and or have a turnkey turnkey solutions towards compliance as well. Um, any farmer that wants to run their business and get out of it financial, agronomic and environmental data into one spot that helps prove that you're doing things sustainably for the questions that we're being asked now as growers and questions that we're going to be asked in the future that we haven't had asked yet. The, that, that's where you want to build your, your repository of, of information. And, and I think that's if you can do that within your daily process, so it's not another step, because no one wants to do another extra thing. Um, that's that's kind of the key, and, and they're the types of farmers that are that are using it. 
Yeah, right. So for growers using Ag World, is it in their pocket they're using it day to day, or how do they mostly utilize the product? Um, I think the large, largely the interaction begins with the agronomist, and probably I would say, particularly in Australia, there would it's up around ninety percent of the farmers that are in ag world haven't have one or two agronomists connected to them. So the whole conversation about what am I going to do and what's my production cycle and plan over the next four or five years and how is that a sustainable process it begins with the agronomist. So that agronomist is interacting and then farmers are getting alerts and, and uh, they, they've got their paddock maps and so forth and they get alerts to say, oh, this job needs doing or have you done this job or the agronomist gets alert, yeah, I have done that job or they've had the call where the farmer says, oh, I'm not going to be there, um, can you come out and have a look? The, the agronomist knows exactly which paddock, he knows what jobs were done last, he knows uh, what needs to be done next because he's got the plan at hand. So it's kind of that collaborative back and forth um, yeah. that normally happened just over phone but now it's phone and with some information, right? And it can happen in the absence. And funny enough, in so when the COVID pandemic was on and there was this whole social distancing thing, which none of us have ever experienced before and you weren't allowed in paddock, you know, with your farmer, AgWorld came to the forefront because it was digital tech that was enabling people to go out and just do it and then have the phone conversation. So it was good from that perspective. Yeah, it's pretty good to be able to access it in that way. So you don't need that face-to-face -face value for it but also like the time saved that you don't need to be talking with your agro your agronomist every day Correct. leading up to harvest is pretty good money saved as well for that yeah it is it is and you know the, the price of a um, subscription or whatever for the ag world you know I, I always say when's the last time you made a $2,000 mistake or a three or $4,000 mistake. I mean, if we're all honest, you make much bigger mistakes than that if you're going to make one. Uh, what yeah. we try and do, you know, with AgWorld by having that information on hand is, is make sure that everybody knows what should be going on. And, you know, you don't miss a paddock being sprayed. You don't spray the wrong paddock. You don't fertilise the wrong paddock. You put on the right rate. They're all really expensive events if you don't get it right, right? So um, we've got lots of examples where people have, through that collaborative event, being able to uh, program, being able to see where each other at, and money has been saved. So, it's um it's more than just uh, efficiency and so forth. Yeah, that's it. I find like with a lot of ag tech, there's the value of purchasing the product and getting, put entering in your data and getting that information out. But the outside value of saving the time that it takes to talk to you agronomist or even saving the cost of misfertilizing one paddock and changing that variable in there can really help you out in the long run over like farming is a long-term thing so we need to think long term and if we can save two percent of cost each year that's a lot in our one person's generation isn't it it is it's a huge it's a huge saving and and i i, I like that point is like you don't go broke in one year right yeah. You, you want you, it, it began a long time ago. It's just, that's the year, but you want to, no one wants that to happen. So you want to have that, that generational view and, and that plan that is sustainable over time. And I just think farmers, farming was just families doing a farm, 
now it's families in a family business, which is called the farm, right? There's a, yeah. there's a different change now. And, and I think these are, they're not trivial. That's not a trivial thing. These are multi-million dollar assets with lean margins and, and we, we are good at it and we're going to get better at it. So, Yeah, that's it. And um, if we can take a little bit of the emotion out of it and get some data-backed info to support our ideas and whether or not this is a good idea or that's a bad idea, that can't yeah. be a bad thing as a farmer moving forward. But for Agwell, since 2008, what sort of challenges have you had, not necessarily just with the product, but the outside sort of challenges of moving the product overseas or even domestically here in Australia? Oh, I think the first thing is you know, pen and paper and and the, the fact that we didn't, there was no real pressing need for something like an ag world at the time yeah. and that we had to educate the market. And, and, and I guess to use the analogy, we swam a long way offshore and there wasn't that many people that wanted to swim out to where we were, even though we were waving saying it's okay. <laughs> so people people like to to experience it, and so you have this early adopter cycle, and and that early adopter cycle uh, really has formed and helped us form the product. But the, the next challenge is how do you get that next crowd behind it? And it takes a lot of other industry change, um, and we've seen that. And that group is now following in behind uh, the early adopters. It's a, it's a bigger group because they know they it's gone from, I know one day I'll need software, but I'm hoping I retire before that happens to uh, my son's come home or my daughter's come home and I need to provide some platform for them to take over. And we've also seen products like John Deere become, you know, people are tending to look at, okay, we want to know what the yield monitor is doing. It used to just hang there, you know, and no one really bothered with it, but but we want to know what that's doing. We want to know what our machines are doing. So you're tending to see John Deere have done pretty well, I guess, in making a real connected network. Uh, you know, they've got a ways to go, but they're doing pretty well um, and leading the way. And you're starting to see people make decisions on what machines they buy by the, the connectivity of the monitors, which is obviously the play and, and a bit less mixed fleet. So uh, that those sort of things in getting adoption have been a challenge and then when you go overseas it's it's you have to have a local team you have to have you can't have Australians selling to Americans you can have Americans selling to Americans or Canadians to Canadians and Did you learn that the hard way yeah yeah we tried and that, quite honestly they didn't understand me so it's <laughs> pointless so, so you you just they don't yeah it's just very different culturally so we we put our own local teams in and then you have to localize the product and then you have to you know, as I said, they they work their farms differently. That's not badly; they're just very different. So, how do you bring our innovation? And they look at you strangely and say, "Why is that important? We've got plenty of margin, so it doesn't really matter." You know. Yeah. And uh, and then now their margins are coming back. Their subsidies are less. They're using the planning tool more with their agronomist, and it's become a real thing. So, they're kind of the changes, and and it's always about how. Adoption is a, you know, we call it the long, slow ramp of death in terms of SaaS technology. It takes a long time for people to come on board and get the momentum. And that's why you see a lot of uh, ag tech companies fail because they, they couldn't get that adoption. And it's not because they didn't try, they just couldn't get it or they weren't solving a problem that was as important, you know. Auto steer took off real quick, didn't it? 
really yeah. comparatively because it transferred straight to the bottom line. You could see the efficiencies in it and it was no, it's kind of like a no-brainer. You know? and straight so, lines um, look a lot better than a worm going up the paddock. Absolutely. And, uh, and, it's, uh, and we used to think initially before that really took off that, well, farmers won't talk to us during seeding time because they're busy driving the thing. Well, now they're, they're on their iPads and they're ringing us, talking to us about stuff they want to do and rah, rah, rah. So it, they're the sort of changes you see, but we've seen them over a decade and we've spent over 50 million bucks, you know, to get there. So the, the, this is the challenge with, with ag tech and, and people get fatigued, you know, they get tech fatigue. Just like we got machine fatigue back in the early days because they kept breaking down and we had to keep wondering why they engineered them so badly in our view and and now they're like they're pretty good you know um so we we're, we're in the tech fatigue stage and coming perhaps out of that a little bit in ag tech as yeah as i think for this podcast i'm trying to get people like adapt and adopt is a bit of a phrase i like to throw around every now and then to try get these farmers the early adopters are always going to be the early adopters but the guys that probably don't listen to podcasts um that this podcast should be shared with is also probably who we want to be hitting as well those that are a bit complacent with what they're doing or they're just looking for a bit of a spur up the bum to see how they can improve their farm and it's just Mm -hmm. that little proof in the pudding that they probably need to get them ticking along and thinking, yeah, right, this is a pretty good idea. It would save me 20, 30 grand, even 100 grand a year. Or even if it saves you a couple of grand, I think you're better off than not using or implementing something. But starting mm. off lightly is probably the best for farmers initially in that early adoption phase. What, uh, yeah. how have you like educated farmers around, so like 2008, moving from there, what sort of education did farmers need? to get going onto the platform or you just see the benefits of what ag world and other products like, like it could do. Uh, I think the, you know, we took an education. So what, what is cloud was yep. the first thing I don't, back in 2008. And then what the hell is an iPad? Yeah, that's 2010. <laughs> and how come this thing doesn't work online and offline? So there are problems that we had to solve and we actually made an online offline app. We had to educate them on that. But then you had, you know, there's this thing that, like with auto steer, you could point, point to immediate value, but it did mean that you had to think about changing your processes on your farm and the way, and your machines and, and the whole range of things over time. And I think we faced that with Ag World where people have, and particularly with software, because you, you can't touch it per se. You can touch the iPad, but you can't, not like a tractor, right, um, or a header. So, so you know, that that traditional way of thinking about things had to change and I think educating people on efficient process and optimization um, and how you know one data point is not that great two data points is not bad but three you can make a curve out of right and you can work out whether it's going up or down and as soon as people a lot of people started getting three years of data they were sharing it with their neighbors and saying actually I can actually see where I can do this better or I noticed by using AgWorld on my records, I could see that there was a who seeded the paddock uh, on the shift on a, on this was on a large operation for sure. Who where who who was actually seeding that paddock, and they weren't locking the air seeder box down properly on one side, so it was actually missing rows, right? 
yeah. and they were able to pick that up and track that back, that, that would have cost them a lot more money, you know, a lot of money over the size program, but it, but it, that's the sort of value. So there's a whole range of different things that people saw, but I think it's also, what I said earlier, it's having that information to hand to the next generation. And we've seen digitised farm records sell for around 50 to 70 grand with a farm, right? Um, because they've got them. Uh, and there was a, some recent big sales of farms around the place where digital records went with them and the buyers wanted those digital records uh, because they want to be able to analyse and interrogate the data. So that those sorts of things have added to the value. And then over the top yeah. of what we've been doing, we've got Facebook, Twitter, all these big tech companies familiarising people, getting them on their smartphones and, and whatever, and people are interacting. And so it's it's called a board. It hasn't been an age thing because that's actually, you know, grandparents and older people are on Facebook, you know, yeah. And uh, whether their kids like that or not, and and so that's that's kind of those companies have kind of helped people get into the tech space. But our job has been education, and then you have to have proof of putting how data helps, and and that's that's why the space we're in is a is a harder perhaps a harder slog than a machinery space it's a harder but the value within it and the underlying values there and the longer yeah. you record your data and how you work with it the better off you'll be in the long run that farm like farms are going for whopping money at the moment and people probably know, want to know a bit more about it and say a farm has been using platform for 10 years how does that actually come up in the sale of a property if you've witnessed anything, um, like they just pass over the information, yeah, the can, data um, points? Yeah, you, uh, so the actual process would be that on the sale of the farm, the owner would be writing to us to transfer those records across. Yep. And we, would, and we have the tools to transfer that to the new entity upon signing over. It's up to them to negotiate that between themselves, but we just need the... the uh, the formal permission and paperwork filled out to transfer that across um, within the system, which it doesn't take as long to do. I think the value is, you know, you're talking about carbon and, and compliance and things like that. I think 10 years of data gives you a real good baseline uh, of how you've improved your property um, and, and what the, what your yields were and, and your gross margins were by crop, by area of paddock, um, a, a year over year uh, and what what the farm has generated over the years and why. People want to know the why when they buy things and here's the why. These are all the things we did, you know. And, and I think, again, being validated by the agronomist and, and others that are on the farm that say, yeah, we didn't do that, it makes the data more valuable rather than me just typing in a spreadsheet what I said I did, you know. So I think those that that that's where the farm record value is. Um, and when you go to lease land, you know, if I was leasing, well, I lease mine to my brother-in-law. I've got all the records for the last ten years yep. of everything he's done to the place, right? That 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 I have a copy of. Um, and if I decided to buy another farm, I would want to see as many records as I could, and and because I want to understand not just my guess of what the soil type's capability of is in that region or area. I might have a clue, but 
there may be some other deficiencies there that I haven't picked up. So I want to see how the, how it's been farmed, what the system is, and carbon's going to. The reason farmers are running from carbon in some ways, you know, some are running toward it, some are running away, uh, is because it needs to be driven from economics, not not from not from environmental alone. It can't, it's got to be. It can't shut down the farm. And so the best thing farmers can do is have good digital information to show how they are great stewards of their land. Yeah, right. That's a pretty interesting topic, probably worth another episode just for real, yep. um, to see how you can probably work with. And even the lease, we did an episode buy or lease with Charlie Bloomfield and he, yep. that episode really took off. So if you could bolster that with the data of, should I lease that block? Yeah, they've got some great figures behind that and that soil is really doing some stuff. That could really fly probably a lot with the, my generation looking to see it, if this is worthwhile, um, is it a yeah. viable um, in terms of down the road, they don't really have anything going on or they haven't really operated their system as well for me to benefit now. Yep, 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 yep. So... I think that's, yeah, definitely an interesting space to see where it's going to go. And for you yourself, it's probably still in the growth phase of it. And you probably won't see the full potential within five or 10 years or so. Do you think that's still the case of these early adopters are still there and then the mass market will sort of move in to farmers? No, having I, oh, look, I, you know, we sold to Semios because we, we believe that, the technologies between our companies will help farmers further around managing risk. Um, so there's a whole new market, not just of carbon, but derivatives for yep. protecting yourself on downside. Uh, everybody's had a go at various insurance around derivatives. I think, you know, with the with mesh networks and sensor data combined with all, all, the, all the info that's within ag world, I think, we can uh, build out those products uh, to be understood better by all the parties that are wanting to either provide the service or participating in that service with the grower and, and that growers can get those, get the prices down that are relevant to their farming practice and field and or paddock and, and, their, um, and their local area, um, including sensors around frost, right? We know, we know frost, you can't control it yet maybe but um but you can understand you can certainly understand if you understood at what level that frost was there for that period of time how much damage it did against the dates you were sowing and all that maybe there's some other risk management strategies we can put outside of where you just get completely wiped out but you know it's it's there's a whole lot of data around that that can be brought in a lot of models that take the guesswork out and derivatives could be used around that. So we think there's an exciting future around using this. And so I think those type of things where it ensures risk and has a, a direct bang for buck on the bottom line will bring people toward adoption. Um, but you need money to do it as a business. And so we're back to our semios and, and uh, I, I think that's a really exciting future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your last 13 years has been pretty exciting and, to see the business come to where it is for both US, Canada and Australia. Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years or even 25 years, the way they measure their carbon offsets? 
me, where do I see myself in 25 years? Or Yourself industry? and the business. Where do you see it going? And the business. In 25 years, I'll probably be in a nursing home because I'm probably older than <laughs> I look. Um, but uh, no, look, I think in the next five to 10 years in particular, um, I do see uh, that the adoption of data around the derivative market will grow. I do think that the overall adoption of tech will increase. I think the farm scale and size issue uh, we'll continue to wrestle with how big do we have to be? The land price is out of control. We can't extend. We've got to find a way forward as a as mid tier farmers and and that to to actually uh, stay in the game. Um, corporate will corporate large scale farms continue out of superannuation funds? They have continued for a lot longer this time than they did in the eighties and the nineties. But will that change uh, going into the 2030 time? I don't know. Um, so I, for me, I'm going to keep in doing what I'm doing. I'm passionate about agriculture. Like I said, I love working with farming families and I love, I love growing crops. So that's not going to change. I just want to try and solve the risk and I want to try and solve and try and find ways to be more in control of the rewards that we reap on the commodity side as well. There's some games to be played in that, I think, and, and that's probably another chapter, but there's guys like um, Clear Grain that are doing a fantastic job out there. You know, they're, they're a great company worth worth getting on here about what they do. Nathan uh, would be good to speak to on that if, if you haven't. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're the sort of companies that I think can change the game for farmers, actually. Yeah, well, that's what we're looking to get onto the podcast, those agribusinesses that are changing the game and also the farmers that are changing the way that they use their soil to grow either livestock, cropping, horticulture, or whichever way it's going. But today, mate, thanks for coming mm. onto the podcast and sharing your expertise. And great to see a little bit of insight into ag world and how it operates. Great to see yeah. how far it's come. Yeah, it'd be good. Look, if you're looking for other ones that, Getting Michael Gilbert from Semios um, would be really interesting as a data science and, and uh, he's got a PhD in, in some sort of uh, ag back space. And I think it's worth you know, having a listen to the tech that they're seeing out of Canada uh, as yep. well and what, they, what they're bringing um, because these are all the things that are kind of going to take us forward as an industry and we're what I love about Australia, mate, is we're good at what we do, and we did. But we're not condemned with that. We're going to get better. So, uh, so that's that's the exciting bit. So that's it. For Con constantly improving. So before you go, you already took my question of who else would you like to hear on the Farm Slice podcast and why. But if you have another one, feel free. Uh, Laconic is another one. Um, yeah, I had Darren one. Hughes on. He was unreal. Yep, really good. Um, precision cropping technology are great as well, and then. Out of Kununurra, which is a you know the new frontier, you know which people, you know it's a it's an amazing place up there, small but you know Fritz Bolton would be a, a good guy to talk to about cotton, um, you know that's been growing up there. Pretty interesting, just what are the challenges they're having? What are they doing? What what's the innovation and thoughts that they've got around technology? Because um, you know that's kind of the, a new frontier in 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 our space. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like different environment and yeah, yeah, got to do different things to keep that up. But for yeah. anyone wanting to get in touch with you, Doug, yourself, or even just check out what Ag World is, how can we do that? Best, uh, look, we've got the uh, at Ag World on Twitter and LinkedIn, so you can yep. grab, communicate with us that way. Uh, website is uh, www.agworld.com, so uh, that's the best way my details are, are within there to, to reach out to either uh, via the website and via our marketing crew. And I'm always happy to talk direct with growers and, and, and anyone in the industry um, about their thoughts about uh, you know, the challenge what we're doing because we need we need it to be challenged. You know? that's, that's a good bit. Absolutely. No worries, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll speak very soon, I'm sure. Thanks for listening to episode six of the Harvest Series and for Doug for coming on and sharing his time with us to go through experiences and his platform, AgWorld. If you got something out of today's episode, please help by sharing it or even give it a cheeky five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help us get a better yield for this podcast harvest each week. Until Friday, the next Harvest episode, keep on farming. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.